Hello everybody. Welcome to our Mental Health Services Connecting Badgers podcast. My name is Kitanjali. I use she her pronouns. I'm a student of color focus provider at UHS and one of the hosts of this podcast. Today we are back with our latest episode for spring semester and we will be having a conversation about drugs and alcohol. Now I let the rest of the hosts introduce themselves. Hi everyone, my name is Liz Westcott Barton. I use she and her pronouns. I'm a licensed professional counselor and access specialist and care manager here at Mental Health Services. Nice to be chatting today. I am Casey Tice, LPC. I use she, her, and hers pronouns. I am also an access specialist and care manager here through UHS. My name is Quincy or Q. I use they and them pronouns. I am the TGNC coordinator. And um, what is important to note about this podcast is that it does not replace mental health treatment and shouldn't be considered as such. If you are interested in learning more about seeking mental health treatment at UHS, you can webbook a confidential access appointment through the MyUHS portal. And it's important to also note that there is no problem too small to schedule an access appointment. Access specialists are here to discuss your concerns and assist you in getting connected to mental health resources. If you have any questions about meeting with an access specialist, you can call the Mental Health Services front desk at 608-265-5600, option two, and we will answer any questions you may have before you get scheduled. Or if you would prefer to get connected to a provider outside of UHS, we can assist with this also. And as a reminder, you can access 24-7 crisis resources through UHS. These include the crisis line 608-265-5600, option 9. And in the event of an emergency, can of course please dial 911. So today we are meeting with Jeff Brown, a coordinator of substance use services here through UHS. Um, Jeff, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, are there any other ways the, that you would want to be um, introduce yourself to our listeners? Yeah, um, <clears throat> like you said, my name is Jeff Brown. I use he, him pronouns. Um, and I believe this is my third appearance on the podcast and I've heard one more and I get a fancy set of steak knives. I don't know if any of you can confirm that or not. It's <clears> pens, <throat> Jeff, pens. Pens. Okay. Got it. <laughs> That's great. Well, we're really grateful for you being here and yes, thank you for joking along with us today. Um, so we were really interested today in just kind of having a conversation about drugs and alcohol. And I think a lot of questions kind of come up from our students. They come up for us as providers in this work and, um, yeah, I think we're all just really appreciative to talk a little bit more about drugs and alcohol, because I think it can be, I don't know, kind of a stigmatizing thing to talk about for folks. For sure. And I mean, I appreciate you, you know, ask me back because um, anybody who's talked to me for 10 minutes or so here knows that I love to talk about drugs and alcohol. So, um, yeah, I'm happy to be here and kind of talk through some of the things um, and, and and hopefully to do it in in a very destigmatizing way, because I, I would definitely agree with that, Liz, that um, it can be hard to have those conversations. And, and you know, there's some very different um, ideas about what's quote unquote normal or, um, you know, how do you know when you have a, a, a 
again, a quote unquote problem. What does that look like? How do you know? So I think talking through some of these things will be hopefully very informational. I think as you're saying that this very well relates to our first question for you about alcohol use. Um, Often in, in an environment like Wisconsin, especially at the UW campus, which is so popular for the drinking culture and all of that, I'm wondering how would you say one can accurately gauge how much they are drinking, how often they are drinking, or defining what one drink is, and how can that look different for different people? Um, what are some ways in which one can figure out if they are okay if they're moving towards a problematic um, quote-unquote problematic yeah. uh, thing things like that yeah. okay well i think i want to start just with defining what a drink is um because it, depending on what it is that you're drinking you know what that looks like is, is going to be very different um you know so if we're talking about beer specifically, a 12 ounce beer. So a bottle of beer, a can of beer and a 12 ounce, you know, not, not larger sizes is and 5% alcohol beer. So most typical regular beers, one of those is considered one standard drink. If, if you, if you're drinking craft beers, those are usually higher in percentage. So then you know, one beer may be equal to one and a half standard drinks. Um, uh, if you're out at the bars and you're talking about buying 16 ounce uh, you know, plastic cups of beer, that's one and a third drinks. You know, so getting three is actually the same as drinking four standard drinks. If you get the 22 ounce cups, then you know you're almost at two drinks with each with each beer there. Um, for talking about wine, a five ounce glass of wine. Uh, wine is usually between 12 and 14% alcohol. So a five ounce glass of wine is considered one drink. Uh, so, you know, with that in mind, I would say it's important to remember that an entire bottle of wine is the same as five drinks. Um, so if, if you're drinking that much, that would be at the point where we consider it binge drinking. Um, and then if we're talking about liquor, things like vodka, gin, whiskey, tequila, um, a one and a half ounce shot or 40, about 45, excuse me, about 45 milliliters, um, is considered to be one drink. And I think with liquor, that's, you know, that becomes something to really pay attention to because if you're doing shots, you've got a pretty good measure. If you're do if you're drinking mixed drinks, you don't know exactly, you know, and, and you're not pouring your own. You don't own it. You don't end up knowing how much is going in. So you could end up with a little bit less than one drink. You could end up with about one drink. You could end up with two or three shots worth and say, you know, I only had four of these last night, but that would be the same as 12, which is drastically different than the four that you thought you had. Um, I always like to point out that there's about 17 shots in a 750 milliliter bottle or a fifth, um, which usually, which often comes as a surprise to a lot of people say, oh, I, you know, I drink a fifth of, of vodka. That's 17 drinks. That's how many drinks? Oh, I didn't realize it was that much. So 
Um, so I think it's really important to be able to know like what are the standard drink sizes so you have an idea of how much might you be drinking. Um, you know, thinking about how do you, to, to the question about how do you accurate, accurately gauge like how often you're drinking, how much you're drinking. I mean, in terms of how often, I'm a big fan. You know, if, if it's something you want to be paying attention to, set up a 30-day calendar for yourself and put X's on the days where you do drink. And that'll give you an idea of what, you know, a typical month is like for you. And you can see how that breaks out by week. It can be helpful to put in um, special events or things that may have been going on that might indicate why you drank that day or why you may have drank more on that day. Um, for some people, they'll put, you know, they'll put the same number, uh, an equivalent number of X's for the number of drinks that they've had on any given day. So two X's on a, on a, you know, Friday evening or 10 on a Saturday evening. And, you know, again, can kind of help accurately gauge or a little bit more accurately gauge how much, how often. Um, as far as gauging it in, in one night, that can be really hard to do depending on how much you drink. Again, if you're pouring your own and you're drinking mixed drinks, you know how much you're, you're getting or at least approximately. But the more you drink, the harder it is to count. Potentially, the less you care about counting after a certain point. Um, <clears throat> you know, to you know, talking back to the or, or getting back to the idea of uh, culture and drinking. You don't count your drinks. You just drink until you know wherever wherever you want to be or feel like you need to be to, you know for that situation, and then you kind of go from there. So you know thinking. You know, if you're thinking in terms of or talking in terms of wanting to not be binge drinking, you know, then you're shooting for under five drinks over the course of, of a, a sitting, which is usually a three or four hour period. Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll, I'll stop there. Otherwise, I'll just ramble. I feel like one thing is also like, it's so challenging when I'm talking with students to quantify weed use in particular. And then I think when you were describing that, I was thinking of the additional layer of like crossfading, quote unquote, of like mm -hmm. how would a person even um, begin to quantify or conceptualize or understand. Like if I'm having say two beers and also smoking X amount of weed, like there's an interaction in to consider and how much use is happening there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, that's, that can be, I mean, that's just tough to gauge, I think, because there's a lot of things, not only, you know, in talking about what is it that's being, what is the drink that's being uh, consumed, um, but when it comes to um, cannabis, then we're talking about potency in terms of how much THC, are you, you know, are you smoking flour, are you using dabs? Um, are you using, uh, you know, other cannabinoid products like Delta-8 THC? Um, you know, CBD is something that has a completely different impact than THC does. Um, you know, so that, that can be hard to gauge in, you know, in the moment. Um, you know, and I, like, when I talk with students, 
particularly about their, their cannabis use. I often talk about it in terms of how much they use or, or how much they'll buy at a time, like what amounts they'll buy and how long will that last? You know, and then we can talk about cost that's associated with that and how's that impacting you know, bank accounts and ability to purchase other things that are needed. Um, you know, doesn't come up often, but are we getting into the point of, I've got 80 bucks this week, I'm out of weed, do I pick up or do I buy the groceries that I need for the week? Again, not something that comes up often, but it's a conversation I've had more often than I'd like to. So I think I completely talked around the question you asked, Q. No, I think that's great. I mean, I think it makes me feel also like um, when you mentioned CBD, like I thought about like, I don't know if I usually conceptualize CBD as distinctly different from THC in terms of like CBD not qualifying as a drug. And then it got me into a whole thinking process of like, you know, us being in Wisconsin versus us being in the state of Washington or something like that, where you can buy from a dispensary as compared to here, you can't buy from a dispensary. That There's so many nuances in terms of how somebody might think of like um, the distinction between like even drugs and alcohol. Like you can buy alcohol in a store or you can buy cannabis in a dispensary in some places, but in other places it's considered in a different way with a different um, even sort of like legal consequence attached to it. Yeah, and and I mean, Illinois is you know an hour away, um, so like that has definitely increased access um, as far as you know, legal purchasing, anyways. Um, so I mean, yeah, there's there are a lot of things to to really be talking about and considering, and. Um, it, you know, if I'm thinking about problematic use, um, it, it's a hard thing to quantify because it may be different from person to person. You know, one of one of my favorite arguments made, like not that I'm making that, you know, that's being made towards me is that, well, I know plenty of doctors and lawyers and blah, 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 who, you know, who smoke weed, who drink. They don't have a problem. I don't see why it's a big deal whenever I'm sitting down with a student or a group of students, I'm not worried about the doctors and the lawyers who you know, are able to be successful in what they do and they still smoke, they still drink. If someone is sitting in front of me, that is the only person that I care about in that exchange. And so, you know, my, you know, my neighbor's cousin who is this big fancy lawyer smokes weed, okay let's talk about why you're here with me. Why are we having this conversation? Let's talk about the ways it's impacting you because you are a very different person than your, what did I say? Neighbors, cousin, who's a doctor or lawyer, or whomever. Um, so I think that, you know, that really is the, the thing to be looking at is how is it impacting you as an individual versus, well, it impacts other people this way, so I'll be fine. That's what gets so difficult to like figure out is yes, with, you know, legality of, of you know, alcohol at certain ages and weed in certain places, it's, you know, often is the misconception of like, oh, these things are legal, therefore safe. 
Um, and I can't have a problem with it. So I guess with that said, I know there are, again, nuances, but what would be like those things that you would look for that would kind of take it to problematic or like, what should I be on the lookout for if I'm concerned or um, anything like that at all? Like what kind of things do you look for? Um, so I look at, you know, risks that it poses in, in different areas of a person's life. Um, I mean, being students, you know, at the University of Wisconsin, one of the first questions I'm asking about is, is academic functioning. How are things going in your classes? You know, and then we can start to talk about, you know, with drinking, are you skipping classes to drink? Are you going to classes hungover? Are you drinking in classes? Are you missing classes because you're hungover? Um, are you missing out on group projects because you are going to drink or you're hungover um, or you just forgot? Um, you know, so I think that's, that's one of the biggest things. Can also look at like uh, trades, trends with grades over the course of time. Um, and at least for some people, there is that noticeable drop in grades as drinking increases over time. Um, relationships are really important to people. And so how is, you know, how is alcohol or weed or, or any other substances, how are those impacting relationships? Family, friends, roommates, partners, classmates, um, you know, anybody that you have a connection to. What do they see when they're taking a look at how much you drink, how much you smoke, how often you do it, what you're like when you're intoxicated? Um, you know, there are plenty of people who, you know, who have social groups, plenty of students who have social groups where everybody or most everybody in the group, you know, uses in the same kinds of amounts, but there's one person who has a very different response to it and nobody in the group likes that, you know? And so it becomes this thing like, we don't like the way that you are when you're drinking. We don't like what you're like when you're high. You, you know, either you get really loud and wild, you get really down, you withdraw, you, you stop engaging with us, um, you know? And, and so that becomes something to look at as well. I had mentioned a little bit about money before um, when I was talking about buying cannabis. Um, same can be said with alcohol. How much do you spend, you know, if, if you're going out to the bars, how much do you spend in a night? How much do you remember spending? How often do you look at your credit card statement or your bank account the next morning and go, oh, I don't remember spending that much or how did I spend that much last night? Um, you know, so that, that becomes a thing um, to, to be considering as well. Um, how is it impacting your motivation? You know, it, um, like I don't necessarily buy into the, 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 this thing that was, you know, that's called a motivational syndrome that comes uh, with, with cannabis use. That said, there are plenty of people who talk about reduced motivation to do things when, you know, as they smoke more, as they use other substances more, it's not necessarily confined just to, to cannabis. Um, What's the impact on, you know, health, physical health, mental health, um, you know, uh, amongst college students, the physical health risks aren't always as apparent. 
Um, we often think of those as being more like long-term chronic use kinds of concerns. Um, but there definitely are some things, um, you know, one that comes up often enough is being intoxicated and having a fall, hitting your head, get a, you know, getting a concussion, you know, if you fall from a height, breaking an arm, breaking an ankle, you know, so those are things that are there that are very real, that are very, you know, much more um, present and, and acute versus some of the longer term kinds of things. Um, but also impact on mental health. Um, we know that substance use can have a negative impact on things like anxiety and depression. And a lot of times people will talk about how they feel less anxious or they feel happier or just less sad when they're high or when they're drunk or otherwise intoxicated. Um, and for a lot of those same people, they also find that when they're not intoxicated, their anxiety feels much worse. Their depression feels much worse. Um, you know, and I, I'm also always considering risk, um, you know, danger risk when it comes to suicide or self-harm um, and the increased risk that's involved with, with intoxication. I think one of the things that as you're describing sort of like the financial impact, it makes me think of like, it sounds like there's a difference in that measurement system based off baseline how much money you have in the first place and so it sounds like for folks who have only that $80 for groceries versus folks who might have a lot more resources to pull from I wonder like how you have a conversation about making that assessment if it's not that sort of like choosing between one or the other. Mm -hmm. yeah, that, I mean that's a really good question and when that isn't like when that's not something that you know, is of concern to any particular person. I'm not necessarily going to keep coming back to it. You know, I I think it's 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 always important to address all of those different areas. Um, but I think you know the the most impact that can be you know when having a conversation the the, the most impact is when you find the thing that is of the most you know, that, that is most important to the person that you're talking to. And then drawing that conversation out, exploring that a little bit more, um, because those often end up being the reasons to consider making change um, in, in how much or how a person uses any substances. I know, so when I talk about change, you know, I, again, coming back to this idea around uh, uh, with stigma around substance use. When I talk about change with people, I'm often letting them define what their change looks like. For some people, they very much feel like their change has to be completely stopping. For other people, it's cutting back in amounts or how often or the reasons for what, you know, that they use. Um, you know, so for some people, you know, cutting back from four days a week to two days a week, cutting back to only doing it after everything else for that day or everything else for that week is completed, um, changing it from a, I do this because it helps me feel happier, more engaged, less anxious to a, I'm just going to do this in social settings where it's about having fun and not you know, trying to manage my mental health. 
So, you know, if, if someone were to come here to, you know, to meet with me or one of our other providers, you know, the focus wouldn't be on, hey, you have a problem, you need to quit. You know, we really do try to take a, a more of a harm reduction, risk reduction approach to say, how is this impacting you? What kind of change do you want to make around that? Um, you know, to, to really take a lot of the stigma or try to take the stigma out of even having that conversation, um, much less having a conversation about change. Yeah, I feel like one piece of what you're just saying reminded me of like sometimes um, that sort of, um, oh, I'm only doing this socially as a part of a way to amplify the fun that I'm having or something like that. It seems like that also gets a sort of like flip side of when we're talking to folks about substance use, there's a feeling of, well, since I don't, I don't drink or I don't smoke or whatever by myself and I'm alone, then my use is fine. Um, so I wonder that piece around like, well, if I'm in a social situation, this is a norm for my friend group, then that's totally fine. But if I'm doing this by myself, then that's where I draw the line. The, you know, the, the idea of doing it alone, you know, whether it's drinking or, or other substance use, like I, I, there's this I mean, at least as long as I've been alive, which I'm pretty sure is longer than everyone else here. Like that's always been one of those pictures that you paint, like someone who's drinking by themselves, it, you know, it's just like has this hopeless addiction kind of thing. Um, <clears throat> and that, you know, if, if you don't do it alone, then like you were saying, Quincy, like it's, everything is fine. Um, and again, like I'll go back to what are the other areas that it may be impacting in your life. Um, because you can be in a social situation and drink to the point of vomiting and or blacking out every single time. That can be problematic. There's a lot of risk that's involved in, in you know, drinking to those points. Um, I mean, you know, drinking to the point of vomiting is often a sign of alcohol poisoning that's risky. <laughs> like there's a lot of, uh, of risk that, that comes with that. Blacking out is drinking to the point where your brain stops making new short and long-term memories in the situation. Now we're getting back into that physical health thing, right? Where like you are, there is an acute risk, you know, that, that comes there. Um, I don't like, I don't necessarily get into the conversation about alone versus, you know, being in the social situations. That said, you know, coming back to the idea of increased risk with uh, suicidality or self-harm, drinking alone does definitely increase the risk there. And, you know, so that at least is worth exploring, particularly when some of the other risks are present. I feel like I'm saying everything, so I'm trying not to... When I'm also thinking about time, I think this might be a really good time. Jeff, is there anything you wanted to talk about or pitch as far as services for students who are interested in maybe talking with you or another staff member more about their use of alcohol or other drugs? Are there other resources available? Um, I'd love to hear more about that. Thank you, Liz. I feel like you set me up there. <laughs> 
Um, so, I mean, there definitely are other things, uh, you know, other resources, other services. Um, one in particular uh, you know, that I can mention is uh, this workshop that we do. We've, we do it like once a month throughout the semester. Uh, there will be one more coming up on April 14th. Yes. Uh, so on a Thursday, it's called Drugs on Your Mind. Um, it's an hour-long workshop in which you'll get to meet with um, a couple of professionals who have a background in, in treating substance use disorders, um, but really a space to come and ask any of the questions, all of the questions that you might have um, in a space where you're not being assessed, you're not being judged. You know, it, it may be the kinds of questions that you really want to know the answer to, but you're pretty sure your friends don't know or you don't want to ask them because you don't want to hear the answer they may have to give. You know, so there's, uh, I mean, there's that opportunity uh, there. Uh, we do offer both individual and group counseling through MHS um, for, for students who are interested in, again, making changes in what their substance use may look like. Um, if, you know, if you're at a point where you're not sure if you want to go that route or you're not sure you want to go that route quite yet, um, I think Let's Talk is a great, uh, a great resource to use. You know, you get a, about 20, 25 minutes to talk with a provider. Um, quite frankly, you could even go in there and say, so I have a friend who, um, you know, if you don't want to identify your, yourself as being the person who's got the concern. Um, that said, that can also be a really great space to go into and say, hey, I, have, I do have a concern about my roommate. Here's what's going on. I'm trying to figure out how to say something to them or my friends and I are trying to figure out how to say something. Um, and then, you know, for students who are uh, who are interested in recovery, who have had, you know, their they've they've had their their battle, their struggle, their their journey with with substance use, and want to be done with it, um, and want to find community, which you know, if if we're being quite frank here, can be really hard on this campus. Um, there is Badger Recovery, um, and that is a recovery community that has been on this campus for about two years now. And they meet um, a couple of times a week. Um, that's also, um, Badger Recovery is also open to people who want to uh, be allies to those who are in recovery. Um, so that would be, you know, that's another resource that may be worth checking out. Thank you so much, Jeff, for all this insightful information and your thoughts. Um, looking at the time, I think we can call this episode for an end. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. Feel free to tag us by using the hashtag connecting badgers on social media. Um, also, feel free to share your thoughts, feedback, requests for new topics, questions. If you know of anyone, a friend, anybody else who may benefit from this information, share your podcast with a friend. Also check us out on Instagram. Our Instagram page is called UW at MHS, UW underscore MHS. Thank you again for listening. Thanks so much, Jeff, for joining us. It was wonderful to have you. We can't wait to see you again and give you that pencil set someday in the future. 
as a reminder, listeners, if you are struggling, you can always access our crisis line for support wherever you are, whenever you need at 608-265-5600, option number nine. Thanks again for listening and take care.